the EWN 2019 Elections Desk. In touch, in June, and in elections. Hi, and welcome to Politics Spiti Piti, an EWN podcast series on the politics shaping this year's national and provincial elections. My name is Clement Manyatela, and I am with Teto Mashakwana. Through this podcast series, we hope to unpack and make sense of the nuances that define this pity pity that is our politics. These conversations are about you and for you as South Africans. They are meant to empower you with understanding beyond just the headlines as you prepare to make an informed decision about the country's future. So today we sit down with some of the elders in our society. They are struggle stalwarts in their own rights. They fought for many of the freedoms that we enjoy today. The 25 years of democracy that we celebrate this year and the right that we will be exercising on the 8th of May when we vote. Let's welcome Bontate Mavusom Simanga, Mephi Murobe and Me Babra Masikela. Thank you so much for taking part in this conversation. Thanks for inviting us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And let's start with you, Mam Barbara. I mean, we're voting this year, 25 years into democracy. What does this mean for you? For me, mostly, thank you. Thank you, Clement, and hello to everybody. To me, it evokes the past. It evokes the past a great deal. And I know this is difficult for people to understand because they are seized only in the presence, as though the presence just erupted from nowhere. But Mm. we come from history. And for me, the vote reminds me mostly of the old people. I'm regarded as old, but I had old people, and they were my, my example. They shaped my thinking. And all I can think about when I think about the vote is how my great-grandfather didn't have it, yeah. how my great, my grandmother didn't have it, how my mother didn't have it. She died before she could vote. How my father, at the age of 82, voted for the first time. And I think of that journey, what it meant, because, you know, we forget that we were a conquered people, We were conquered in the 19th century, but from the time of the arrival of the settlers in South Africa, our people were resisting. They were resisting. They were saying no in every way. But by the time we get to 1913, they have been dislocated. They have been dispossessed of their land. They are forced to work in the mines so that and, and in industry so that they can pay for the state that is oppressing them to continue oppressing them. And then when you can so what you have is the low point. And then people rise because they believe that if they get education they can uplift not themselves only as individuals but the whole nation that's why when we went to boarding school we would go all over the street to go and tell people that ubiga basiahamba were going to school yeah. and everybody in the community it was not i that's masikela's child ungosi's child everybody felt involved in that so i i i think 
the way we look at the vote now, at least the way I do as a so-called elder, mm. is that I see it in terms not of my own individual thinking, you know, tendencies, etc., but I think it of it in terms how we have progressed. That's a that's a very interesting, I think, reflection in that Demsimang. The the most interesting part I think is the the emphasis on the, how we are obsessed with the present without reflection on the past and what the, the the vote means. So my question then would be to you, given the amount of decay that has occurred in the state and in government, um, given the amount of heavy and burden that South Africans go into these elections with, are we able to then do this reflection that Ma talks about if that's the burden that we carry? Thank you very much. Um before we get to the decay, we get to the point leading to the achievement of the liber of liberation. I know it sounds a little tired to many people, and one is saying it was a momentous occasion, 1994 was, when people now had the rights that had been denied for very many years. We elect a government, and it was mainly the ANC government, which decided in its wisdom to work with others, you know, it became a unity government, <clears throat> and uh, to run the country now and provide the services and provide such as education, health, and all the things that a government is supposed to provide. Somewhere along the way, you're talking about the decay. Yes, the decay did come. But in terms of the voting, it's very important that people vote so that, vote good people into office, so that the decays that you're talking about, and I think we are free and actually obliged to talk about the decays because that, that has happened. It must, it doesn't belong to a liberated people. It belongs to a people who have hijacked the objectives of liberation, which were come in and change our lives. Let's now have access to education, good education, to health, and all the things that we can take about. How do we deal with the decay? It's, um, if, if you could help it, if you could just sweep it off in one go, one fell swoop, mm. you would do that. But the decay is rather broad. It's not limited to a little quarter uh, and others are innocent. You are going to have to choose, in my opinion, the least decay mm. uh, uh, or a decay that has the opportunity of being cleared. Um, first of all, you would need to accept that there is a decay. And talking as an ANC person who is really abhorred by the decay, I am happy that you have a president who has said, open up, come and tell us what was happening. <coughs> and we've got these commissions that are taking place and they are really exposing the decay and they are doing it publicly. You can go in there and tell the whole nation as the messenger of the nation about what's going on. I think that is a strong point. Mm. Uh, we should applaud it. Uh, but, but having established that it is there, we should then see how best we we clean it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Mr. Morobe, I mean, that decay and 
this hijacking of objections of the liberation that Mr. Msimang speak up, speaks of, do you sometimes pause and wonder if your right, your fight for this freedom, for this democracy, is being undermined by the very same decay and this very same um, sort of the erosion of public institutions that we continue to see today? Absolutely. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that the current situation has reflections within it of ways in which there is an, an erosion of the true value of the vote that we won in 1994 is being expressed. And one could say that I would understand because this is a very different environment. Comes 94 comes, we have a society that is open and democratic. People find ways in which they can express themselves. But we all come from families where we know that in as much as, in fact, we would have rights, there will always be those things that are the ethos and the culture and the values that each family has that get passed on from one generation to the other to make sure that whatever else you will do out there, so you know that that basically says to you, you need to behave in certain ways to a particular, even as you might be free. Or since Barbara, when they were going to boarding school, you know, they would know that at the boarding school, they could be doing all kinds of things that boarding schoolers would do. But at the end of the day, they know that they'll come home, they'll have to account for their behavior at boarding school. First point is they have to pass school. But if there's a report that comes from the school principal about behavior, the uncles will descend on her mm-hmm. to actually read her the riot act about don't go back there and do what you've done. Mm-hmm. And I think that at, in, in our political space, there is a sense of loosening at that level. And, and somehow people are trying to contend as to how we're trying to must pull this together. When you look at the ANC today, talking about re-establishing the political school. Mm. It sounds rather frantic, but I think it's trying to address precisely this point I'm making, that uh, they took the foot off the pedal on that one, and maybe there's time for us to try to recoup and get into a situation where everyone who becomes an ANC member, there are certain basic tenets that they have to subscribe to, not just by hearsay, they have to attest to that and be held accountable. Each time, in fact, they break away from Is those. it not a little too late, though, Mr. Morov? I mean, is the decay not too deep now for that political school? Not necessarily. Too deep. It is deep, but too deep uh, you know, is debatable. But I think that it can always be salvaged. It's never too late, especially where social phenomena are involved. You know, you, you, once you come to a point of realizing what the problem is, because the, the interventions always depend, first and foremost, on the realization and acceptance of the problem. And only then can you begin to address the challenges of how you fix it. Because sometimes people get so busy with everything else and actually forego actually dealing with those things as and when they happen. And, and at some point it catches up. And hopefully, in fact, the leadership that has been based and that will, be, that will come in place will be seized with the implications of the issues that a political party school, so to say, is meant to address. I think on another level, though, the, the question is more a national question of political maturity, isn't it? 
that you have 48 political parties contesting this year's elections and we speak of a political school within one of those parties while we are not well versed with the amount of education that happens within the other parties is it incumbent on the electorate in your opinion and i'll put this question to you seeing that you are noting some of these uh, comments that come from that that is it incumbent on the, on the electorate to put pressure whether be it by by virtue of, of expressing the liberty that is voting that we want a more mature political body, body politic in the country, that we want more mature political parties, that we want to be addressed from a perspective of an informed, not only an incumbent in office, but an informed political party in its whole. Is that incumbent on us as voters? Uh, It's incumbent on the parties themselves to put in place uh, guidelines and... um, and, 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 and values, you know, mission statements, uh, uh, objectives. Uh, it is, it's, it's important that that is done and that, and that it is observed. You, you, you mentioned something about deep, too deep. Mm-hmm. I think Ndadim uh, Robert says it's very deep, mm-hmm. talking about the problems in the ANC. I don't think too deep. But you wouldn't have an option anyway because it is deep everywhere. Uh, it is very unfortunate that, well, there are, of the 48 parties, maybe I don't know 38 or, or even more, <laughs> but uh, the ones that have some prominence have similar problems. So there is the national problem of decay, which is confronting the voter. But yes, I think the party school that has been uh, established by the ANC is meant, uh, its objectives are to inculcate values of leadership. Um, They say you must understand what policy is. I think an important part of the school will have to be ethics, teaching people ethics. You know, Mm -hmm. that takes us to the ANC that we've been talking about. Tambo always said, our objective is to achieve democracy, remove apartheid, and achieve democracy and establish an ethical mm. society. Mm. There would always be ethical. So mm. ethics are very important. You deteriorate, and uh, we have a challenge across the world. But in South Africa, the voters are really going to be faced with, uh, I think, primarily, what is a party that is of that is uh, asking for our votes, what will they deliver? There is a vagueness, I must say, among mm-hmm. most of the parties as to what exactly. And yeah. well, you can't say we'll deliver education. You must say, by such and such a time, we will have so many people mm-hmm. who have this, and we will measure it in this manner. It will achieve this. There is something called the National uh, Development Plan. It is absolutely observed in the breach. It lies there. If we just dusted that thing up and said, we promised that by 2015 we would have done so, where are we now? These are questions that people should be asking. If the document may have been, dis- it may have been, um, it may have been developed by the African National Congress, indeed, as, as a government, a party, governing party, but that is a national development yeah. program for everybody. So. And- yeah. Mom, Barbara, do you agree with that? And, and I, I want to add on and ask, how do people then decide 
what is a mature political party? Mm-hmm. How do they make that decision with a lot of options that they have today, having observed the elections and having started from the point when there was no democracy, there was no freedom, up to now, how do they make that decision? And do they have options that are efficient? I would start off by saying that, you know, uh, I, I think that the thing that really lumbers us down is exceptionalism. We always look at South Africa outside of the context of every concrete historical evidence that is in front of us. We can't judge South Africa or the ANC for that matter on the basis of some artificial value that is suspended in the air. It has to be seen in the context of where we are historically, technologically, culturally, etc. What I saw was quite different from what you see. I think mm. when we walked in here, I, m- he immediately saw the transformation. Mm. It was unheard of, you know, that you would walk into a studio and there would be so many people under 40, I'm sure all of you are under 40, (laughs) who are in the positions that you are in. You should remember that we look at history that way. When I was a child or when I was growing up in high school, in university, it was unheard of that a black South African child could start a business in landscaping. Mm. They were not allowed to or in construction. And I think this is where the dislocation takes place, the intergenerational dislocation. We are all in the same boat, but we have to see ourselves realistically in terms of our region, in terms of our continent, in terms of the availability of information and the selectivity that is sometimes applied when looking at this information. Because I think you will agree with me too that when you say the decay, you know, you talk about the decay in the ANC, but decay, decay is an element that exists in every political organization, Mm. in every political era. So does corruption for that matter, you know. And I think that we should be able to make those distinctions. And we tend to to have a tunnel-like, you know, kind of approach to issues. Mm. Can it not, though, exist in tandem with the, the younger people saying, but we want more. We see that. We appreciate that the context within which we should view where we are as a country, firstly, mm-hmm. the level of maturity of our political parties, mm-hmm. and in reflecting, of course, that it's been only 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the strides that South Africa has made, a lot of other countries have not made. Uh, and also, at the same time, a lot of the regression mm-hmm. that has been oh, yeah. taking place has not taken place in some other places which have either similar histories as ours or have been as underdeveloped as we were because of colonialism and, and apartheid yeah. specifically. I, I would just say that it's a pity we can't discuss that. That's a big subject. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really some Can we other... try, though? Can we try, though? Um, because um, I think there's a big feeling, especially among the younger generation. We want more of what? You know, mm. I think 
I think this go- takes us back to unity, you know, which is an important factor, which mm. is something that existed among the oppressed. Unity. What do we want more of? Mm. We want more education. We want more health, better health. We want more housing. Da, 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 da. And it goes on mm. ad infinitum. And we want it now. And if you tell me that we should organize ourselves in a disciplined manner into a program that will achieve some sort of integrated result for everybody, no, no, that's not good. So is that really possible? We, we have to take realities into consideration. Well, I, I need to address the issue of young people in us. Sometimes people get very bored, you telling them that liberation took so many years. And it's as if you say you have a right, uh, you're claiming to have a right because you brought liberation. I mean, that was an important step, as we've said already. I do think that uh, young people today have got really more difficult challenges than we had. Mm-hmm. In our case, there was an enemy which said you can't live there, you can't go to that school, and you'd be agitated. I think many young people today would have been revolutionaries that we became because it's just so confrontational. Your challenges as young people are complex. They're about the quality quality education that you need. It's about how do you handle social challenges, HIV and AIDS, it's a real issue that grips, that confronts uh, young people. But you see, because the construct of freedom is still related, I think a little narrowly, to, to politics, the youth do not see a need to be in there because the challenges, perhaps, of the past are not there. And so you are going to have a serious problem. People who look at these things tell us that uh, a large number of young people are not going to vote. Mm. Now, that is actually denying themselves. They should be going in there and say, we want to put in place people who will meet the challenges that we have and define their challenges. But Mr. Morobe, I mean, picking up on the point about young people, many of them are also saying these political parties are not speaking to our needs. They're not speaking to our challenges. And some even start to make the suggestion that maybe there needs to be a wake-up call in terms of the governing party and where it is right now. And I know there are other stalwarts that have suggested that maybe the ANC needs to lose um, these elections so that it can get that wake-up call. But generally, what do you say then to young people who say the parties are not speaking to our needs and the party that is governing now is so relaxed and has gotten so comfortable because it's in power and that is why it's not so interested in trying to reach out to us as young people. You know, my, my view on, on that question is that I think it's, it's got to start with an understanding of what this vote actually means. And the point I want to make is that, as, as Barbara said, the, in, in the context of South Africa, probably other contexts not dissimilar as well, is that the vote has to be understood as an embodiment of the sum total of our experiences and desire of a people to live in a democratic and free environment. And that vote becomes, in fact, your currency as a citizen. And normally when you talk of currency and then you say, what's the store of value? Mm. You know, the store of value is defined in 1994 when the constitution gets put together. 
that then makes a sets up a base on which we can get into political transactions between ourselves and between those who are representatives through which you can use this vote at those appropriate intervals to give expression to what we need and to call our parties to you know to be responsive to us there's no point in waiting for the elections to complain about the fact that our interests have not been looked after mm. you know every day should be appointed to which young people in fact i work with young people who are not waiting for elections who are not waiting to put anybody on the spots they take responsibility they take charge of their own situation that's what young people do in 1990 in the 1970s we had no vote but we knew that we had to take responsibility and put the system on terms in terms of what we demand but of course in that context we had no right to even have a march to even have political protests or meetings this time they have all of those rights they can have meetings they can organize themselves in particular interest groups they can find ways in which they can promote their interests without necessarily being so called revolutionary it's about being responsible it's about being accountable and being in charge of your own destiny mm-hmm. understanding that you do that in the context of a society that is in the process of organizing itself in a particular way mm-hmm. we have a governing government system <coughs> that is divided into provincial local into local provincial and national government at each one of those levels there is space for young people to engage with the representatives and if the representatives they must be knocking at their door every day you know not necessarily to to harass them etc there's ways in which you can engage to make an impact in terms of what you demand when you talk about maturity even for young people it's about understanding how this system works because part of the problem is that the current context throws up so much information mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that people must decipher discern and make meaning out of the point therefore for political parties is to find ways of making it possible for young people to process this information to be able to make those responsible decisions about their lives Beyond- I, I just would like to say very briefly that I think that also what is key here, which is not the subject of our discussion, is the difference between campaigning for people to vote and voter education. Yes. The emphasis is on register and vote, but it's what, what even for, for, for yourselves in the communication services, what actually, why don't we focus on voter education? what does it mean to have the vote what can you change by having the vote you know it's just vote but again it's typical of it's our it, it, it's a national characteristic that we have that we are always focusing on the outcome rather on what we can do to change that outcome and i would say voter education is something that is really missing in our context and i just wanted to say what murphy said about the attitude of individuals like himself who were in the struggle before freedom is that what they were doing they were doing a national service mm. they were not doing it for themselves as individual they were doing a service to the nation that would reach 
as far afield as possible. They were not just there in Soweto doing it for themselves there, but they were doing national service. And the issue of national service is very pivotal mm. in the mind. I think the youth know what their problems are. Uh, a lot of it has to do with education. A lot of them come from poor parents. We are not rich. And so when, when fees must fall, or, or whatever form it takes, when youth demand good education, from the basic education stage, you know, by the time people get to university, there are already certain arrangements that are being made to cater for people who came from poor schools and so on. Uh, and so it places the education system we have at basic level, places most of our kids at a tremendous disadvantage. So I think, I don't know how that translates into getting an organization, a party uh, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that would represent your interests. But I, it, it was very um, informative that uh, when uh, this, the students said, no, we can't afford the fees, the government moved. I think within a week, <laughs> people were in uh, talking about uh, changing things and so on and so forth. But that's part of the laxity that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. The one thing that one needs to say about the youth is that they, they seem to resort to, um, I know, to violence with really reckless abandon, and that destroys their cause. Mm -hmm. I mean, people can never understand how you destroy books. Right now we have this uh, book that has been published. You know, as soon as you say, let's burn a book, or people burning libraries, as they were doing uh, during the Fees Must Fall thing, or at uh, TUT. The things that happen really just say something, and we are perhaps to blame for that, about a lack of understanding of what your needs are. You, you, you can't divert the funds that you need for education into rebuilding schools that we have destroyed because we're... And that's one phenomenon that one must mention. Mm -hmm. Really, a leader of young people must. We're not saying they must be timid and not demand, but you can't be as destructive, as senseless as some of the things that we see. How do we then achieve this heightened consciousness? You spoke about the obsession with the outcome and not the process. Mm -hmm. How do we get either the information sector, as you, you challenged us to, to parents, to teachers, to bureaucrats to everyone in the system to say there's a gap we are not conscious enough about where we are who we are and what all these liberties mean how do we get there i think that in the first place i would say that by being like oliver tambo <laughs> by being like nelson mandela i know people don't want to hear this but it's a fact by being like solomon mashangu you know, that's how you start, by not objecting or criticizing people from the platform of Twitter, etc., but by really working where you are. And I'm not saying young people. There are some fine young people in South Africa. You know, it's amazing. We don't focus on that. There's some fine, active young people who are doing things where they are. And this I find sometimes a little, you know, missing. You know, that the focus is on here. But 
people are not actually involved in their community, whether it's at the office, whether it's at some other workplace. It's all about reading and, and tweeting and, and, and all that and not being actively involved. We were so fortunate to have Tambo, especially Oliver Tambo, who really focused on humanity because one of the best kept secrets is that we are free because he believed in eight strength and power of the human community all mm. over the world mm. to participate in our struggle. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I come from an era of political activism when the ANC, the PAC were banned mm. in the country and where the National Party was running rampant and we had no right to do the things that we forced ourselves to do despite all else. And one of the most important ways in which in those years we sought to engage and deal with communities was to create uh, community organizations. Mm -hmm. if, if you think one of the famous ones was like the Zanempilo Clinic out in the Ilimpopo mm -hmm. where Mampela and Steve Bigo and others were involved in. Mm -hmm. It's about getting community projects on the ground close to where people are. And all the way up to the 1980s where we had advice centers because there was an understanding that the system control people through control of information mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and access to information that people can have mm -hmm. to improve their decision making on a day-to-day -day basis. And some of these things are as simple as saying, I need to sort my passport or my ID today. Where do I go to? Where do I start? What information do I need? I can tell you now there are people who just present themselves at an office and then get abused by the system because the system is not geared to servicing people at the level at which that information is required for people to make a basic decision. Because the importance of an ID in the life of an ordinary citizen for registration, for payments, for anything you do is so crucial. I'm using this as an example of saying, right now, if one is to think of ways in which we can begin to re-inculcate a sense of community service, is to think about all of those things that can be set up in the communities. The government, you know, for all its intent and desires, had actually thought of this, mm -hmm. you know, where they set up a lot of these community, what Batupil. did they call them? During that time. Mm -hmm. But it got locked into mm -hmm. bureaucracy, it got mixed up because the government <coughs> itself was not really geared for doing that. Mm -hmm. Now, many of us who come from the era of the 70s, the black consciousness era, people who really worked in that way. This is one of those, if the people ask, what can I do, you know, in terms of Tumamina today, mm -hmm. is to really to begin to reconceptualize those initiatives and put them back into mm -hmm. communities. Yeah. So we're running out of time, so I'm going to give you a chance to all of you, we're going to give you a chance to say your last uh, words, and I know you're going to respond to that, and while you respond to that, I'd like to also get your responses um, briefly on what do people need to understand about the importance of these elections 25 years later into democracy? I will leave that answer to the more educated minds sitting around <laughs> here. And I know Murphy is going to tackle that. I wanted to say we shouldn't be too hard on the youth. People always work on role models. 
and role models are usually older people. Mm. And there is a real disappearance of good role models in the public space. Now, you started the conversation here about uh, a decay. Mm. That decay is associated with that loss of good leadership and so on. So this is not to excuse them, though. And then, of course, in the home environment, many homes are broken. I think if you were to take a toll of uh, how many families remain, I, I don't even know what an ideal family is, mm. uh, but, but the, 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 the national prob the problem that we have is nationwide. So I'm saying uh, they mustn't sit back and say we have no role models, but a lot of the problem arises precisely because they look at us and find us being involved in the Bosasa thefts and all the things that have to do with state capture and feel like, oh, if they can do it, we can do it. Oh. Murphy is right that they should do what they were said, oh. what was said they should do. Mom Barbara? I would say that the importance of these elections is that we should not diminish the importance of freedom. It's something you can't touch. And you, perhaps that you can't even realize, you know, because you are living it, you know. But I think that the importance of this election is that people have to realize that they have to give the responsibility for the next government to a team of people who have experience, who we must demand something of our of the people we vote. What do they know about the economy, for instance? A modern economy, not that old economy only <laughs> of regaining land and having land and being happy, but the modern economy to which we are, we can't break. There is a link that we have to the economy, whether we like it or not. Education, health, all those things. Who has the experience in that? Who started on the right direction with that? You know, we the stalwarts, we have questioned some of the progress and some of the losses we have experienced in terms of our ideals. But we still believe that something can be retrieved and the only people who can retrieve that are the people who have the experience, who have the values, who may have gone astray, but, uh, you know, I think there is no question that President Cyril Ramaphosa is doing everything he can to undermine the state capture, the corruption. It can't be an overnight victory. It's going to take a long time to do it, but we have to be part of that change. You know, in the years of struggle, one of the things we used to say about why we want to fight to have the right to vote. And we said that a vote should not be just something you wake up with. It's got to be a responsibly exercised engagement through which you are able to affect your situation as a society. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what it is. It gives you, it's that passport you have for your journey through life as a better human being. Now, of course, in the current context, voting is overshadowed by the whole narrative of mm -hmm. corruption. However, the silver lining on this cloud is that it's all coming out there into the public. 
society has moved now to the next level where to be corrupt is no longer to be glorified. Mm -hmm. You know that from now onwards, if you are in that situation, mm -hmm. there will be consequences. But of course, there are processes underway to further expose this. Mm -hmm. This has to be accepted as part of the way in which you will get ultimately to full accountability mm -hmm. for what really happened. But of importance is for us not to even to wallow into that, mm -hmm. to really to start to think about what the horizon, what the future, what our future construct of a South Africa we want should look like, and then engage with that. Because it's only once most of us are focused on that, that will put distance between us and the impacts of corruption. Because then, hopefully, our state institutions will be re-engineered to be able to make those who committed these great deeds against the people to be made accountable in full view mm. of the public so that the next one who wants to think of it must think twice again. Wow. Thank you so much, Mavusom Simanga, Murphy Morowe, and Barbara Masekela. Thank you so much for coming through and enlightening us. And thanks to you for listening to the first episode of Politics Spitty Pity. The EWN 2019 Elections Desk. In touch, in June, and in elections.